turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. It was a stirring, stirring blessing as we contemplate the victory that is in Jesus. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. May we bow together in a moment of prayer, please. Father in heaven, we thank Thee for the power of victory in Jesus. And that power is all in a person, a person of the Holy Spirit. We pray that today Thy Spirit would speak to hearts and do the work that only God's Holy Spirit can do. And may lost souls come to Jesus. And those who are God's children rejoice and grow and glow, we pray in Christ's name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are 31 verses, and I want to read these verses to us, please. I suppose you realize that we're in a special series of messages from 1 Corinthians. By the time we finish, we will have read the entire book of 1 Corinthians publicly in these services. In the night services, we're in a series of messages from Revelation. And tonight, we will be studying the sixth chapter of Revelation, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I hope you will not miss that tonight. One of the most famous sections of Revelation. Even those who disregard the inspiration of the Bible cannot ignore the literary thought of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And so that theme and that thought is found in literature all the world over. We're going to be reading that and studying it and preaching from it tonight. This morning, we think together of the work and the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know ye were Gentiles carried away unto those dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God who worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and selfsame Spirit dividing to every man severally according as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Greeks, whether we be bond or free, 
and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. One member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you're the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. I would like to say first that the message today cannot in any sense be a comprehensive, exhaustive message on this 31 verses. And so on Wednesday nights, we will be continuing the study of this three-chapter unit, chapters 12, 13, and 14. And I would encourage you to be at the hour of power as we study earnestly what God is saying to us concerning the spirituals. This began last Wednesday night. The first thing we notice in this passage is the work of the Holy Spirit. The second thing we notice are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the third thing we notice is the power or the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Now this is best summarized in quick fashion as we compare Scripture with Scripture. And in John chapter 4, there's a very remarkable statement in three simple statements that Jesus gave to the woman at Samaritan well. And if you open your Bible to John 4, we see the threefold work of the Holy Spirit outlined in perfect symmetry as Jesus was talking to that woman who had been filled with so many misleading things that she thought would fill up the lacks in her life and meet the needs of her heart. But she found that none of these needs had been ever met. She was restless. 
And she had come to that well to draw water again. And Jesus used the human illustration, the earthly symbol of that water. When he said in John 4, verse 13, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Reminding us that the things of this life do not satisfy the human and the divine part of man. Man was made for God. And no matter how deep that man drinks at the wells of this life, there is no satisfaction. He may drink at the well of wealth and fill his life with money. And money will buy some things, but it can never satisfy the human soul. He may drink deeply at the fountain of art and give himself again and again to art, but it will never satisfy the human soul. This particular woman had drunk deeply at the fountain of human love. Jesus put his finger on the problem when he said, you go call your husband. Why, she said, I have no husband. The Lord said, that's right, you've had five husbands. You tried one, he didn't satisfy. You tried another one, he didn't satisfy. You tried a third and a fourth and a fifth. Finally, you got to a point in life where none of them satisfied, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. You didn't even bother to get married to him because you're aware that none of these things brings satisfaction. Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. And beloved, the first work of the Holy Spirit in a man's life is the work of conviction to help us realize that we need something we do not have. This is what Jesus meant. This is what the Scripture means in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know you were Gentiles, carried away into these dumb idols, even as, they were, as you were led. All the things you tried to surround your life with never did satisfy. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the one who initiates the work of God in our lives, and he brings conviction, making us aware that there's something we need we do not have. Sometimes this is an awareness of moral depravity and bankruptcy. A man can come to the end of his rope, he has tried this and this and this. I do not know how many people I have met through life who have come to the end of their moral rope. They are utterly destitute. And they look on their right hand and their left. They've tried everything going and nothing has really ever satisfied them. And they say, what, what do I need now? Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. The Holy Spirit is there to make us aware, to prompt us that none of these things really satisfy. In John 4, the second work of the Holy Spirit is revealed in verse 10. Jesus answered and said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. In other words, the Holy Spirit is that living water, which when it is allowed, the Holy Spirit is allowed to come into our lives. It's like water that quenches the thirst. In Mexico this summer, some of you who were there realize the truth of what I'm saying. We ran out of the kind of water we can drink. 
Now the dear precious people of Mexico are used to drinking the water they drink. And that's fine. We were warned before we went not to drink that water. But you didn't really have to be warned. You could look at it and know. It was sort of dark and it looked rusty. And I don't know what all was in it. It was that way when it came out of the pipes. It, we lived in a place way out in the bush country and the jungle country. And there was a river down there where we'd go and take a bath every morning. I'd go before daybreak. You can imagine why. And then they piped that river water. I think it's where it was from. I don't know where it was from. Somebody said it was from a well. I don't know. They piped it up to some little old sink. That was real civilization. Now, I'm not making fun. I'm just telling the church history. <laughs> they piped it up to this little sink. And you'd turn the spigot on, and out would come that nice, ice-cold water. And it felt good, as hot as it was. But you look real closely, and you could see all of that dark color in it. Well, finally, we ran out of water to drink. We had taken a lot of water with us, and we ran out. And there was all that water in the river. And there was all this water coming out of the spigots. And there was water everywhere, but we couldn't drink any of it. And we had to subsist on Coca-Colas and orange drinks and things like that. I guess you can do it. We did it for a while. But imagine having to live a lifetime like that. I want to tell you folks, if you're outside of Christ today, that's what you're doing. You're living on the old cesspools of life that cannot satisfy and if you would allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life, He is the one who satisfies the human heart. Jesus said to that woman, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that speaks to thee, you would ask of Him and He would give you living water. And that living water is the precious Spirit of Jesus flowing into your life. O river of God, I thirst for thee. O river of God, flow down on me. O river of God, so rich and free. O river of God, I thirst for thee. The river of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And that's his work, to come into our life and quench our spiritual thirst. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Water of life, come and quench my thirst. Like the woman at the well. The third work of the Holy Spirit is symbolized in chapter 4, verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That well of water which bubbles up. We used to sing a song a long time ago. <coughs> it's bubbling. It's bubbling. It's bubbling in my soul. There's singing and laughter since Jesus made me whole. Folks don't understand it, nor can I keep it quiet. It's bubbling, 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 bubbling in my soul. Now you can fake that, or it can be real. If it's real, it continues. It's not something you put on one day and take off the next. It's not something you pretend when you're around a bunch of people that have the same kind of spirit you have. But it's a bubbling of the soul. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. That's His work. His work is threefold. Number one, conviction. Number two, regeneration. Number three, the empowering. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And all that's available in Jesus as you receive Jesus as your Savior. Now, that part of the message is covered in verses 1, 2, and 3. 
No man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now to call Jesus Lord means to make him boss. It means to make room in your heart for him. It means that all the things that have lined up in your life, that crowded God and the things of God out of your life, you have repented of these and turned away from them. And you've heard Jesus knock at your door and you've said, come in, Lord Jesus, I need thee, I want thee. And Jesus comes in. And in coming in, he cleanses and forgives and saves. And then as you allow him to occupy the hand room of your life and the brain room of your life and the heart room of your life and the feet room of your life and the comely parts and the uncomely parts, little by little by little, the precious Holy Spirit who comes in when you receive Jesus as Savior begins to occupy you, your tabernacle, your body, and He lives in you and you're filled with God. That is the life of the Spirit. And it's all wrapped up in Jesus. Now, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. How does one know if he's under the conviction of the Spirit of God? Nobody can be saved unless he is convicted. How does he know? Sometimes it's a faster pulse beat. Sometimes it's a quickened heartbeat. Sometimes it's a sense of moral depravity. Sometimes it's simply a realization that whatever that man is preaching up there, I need what he's talking about. <clears throat> I think this is the way it was with me. When I used to go to church years ago, the women wore great big broad-brim hats. <clears throat> a preacher had come to my house and talked to me about how to be saved and how to give my heart to Jesus. I did not trust the Lord in my home, but I went to church and I listened to the Word of God. And when I'd leave, I'd think I'm not going to go back because something inside, I knew that I ought to go forward. I didn't understand all he was saying, but I knew that I ought to go forward. There was something, there was a tug or a pull at my heart and then as I went back again and again, I'd try to hide behind those women that wore those big hats. Uh, a woman would go like that, and I'd go like that. She'd go like that, and I'd go like that. I'd hide behind her, because I thought the preacher, I really thought this, I thought the preacher was pointing out at me. I thought he knew I was there. It was a big church. He had no idea I was there. He didn't know it, but God's Holy Spirit knew it. And it was the Spirit of God that was at the end of that old bony finger that pointed out there and went like a beam down into my soul. And I knew that what he was saying, I needed. I didn't understand much of what he was saying. I certainly didn't understand all about sin and hell and heaven and the Bible and inspiration and all those things. But I knew I needed something I didn't have. That was the finger of God, the Holy Spirit's conviction. And the night that I responded to that, very simply, I simply said, oh God, I want to be saved. But I'm afraid. I don't know what I was afraid of. All those people around there, I don't know whether I thought they'd kill me or pounce on me. I don't know what. And I said, Lord, I'm, I'm afraid to step out. And, and I, I seemed like I heard a voice in my heart. Not words, not audible, but just a voice that said, Richard, if you'll take the first step, I'll go with you the rest of the way. And I took a step out of the aisle, and the Lord Jesus began to go with me. He never has stopped. He's still with me today. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. The second thing we see in 1 Corinthians 12, not only the work of the Holy Spirit, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are outlined in this chapter. I want you to notice these. Look at verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, 
to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the works of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the very same Spirit, dividing every man severally as he will. Hold your finger there and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, please. And look in verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And while you still hold your finger in 1 Corinthians 12, turn to Romans 12. Romans 12, chapters, verses 3 through 8. Verses 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministering, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Or he that giveth, let him do it with liberality. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation or hypocrisy. Now in those three sections, we have what are called in theological circles, the gifts of the Spirit. The three enumerations of the gifts of the Spirit, the only place they're given maybe in fullness are in 1 Corinthians 12. But these are gifts given to people who are already saved. These gifts of the Spirit do not save you. They do not mean that you're more saved than you were saved before you get these gifts. And these are not gifts that you tell God to give you. Notice that the Holy Spirit is the giver and He gives every man severally as He will. He is in total, complete charge. The Holy Spirit. Now I want you to notice something in verse 12 and 13. We're back in 1 Corinthians 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, for all members of that body having being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Greeks, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink of that one Spirit. My beloved friend, that is not talking about water baptism. That is speaking of the Spirit baptism. And it says that we were baptized once into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit immersed us into the body of Christ one time, once and for all. We're not more saved ten years after we're saved than we were the day we were saved. The moment I gave my heart to Jesus that night and walked down the aisle coming to Christ, I was saved. Saved from the penalty of hell. Saved unto the kingdom of God. Now little by little by little, I've the Holy Spirit has taken charge of my life and directed and taught me a lot of things. And I'm still being taught and I'm still trying to learn and I want to be a student all the days of my life. A student of the Holy Spirit. A student of the Word of God. Allowing and asking the Holy Spirit to have His way. But I'm not more saved today than I was that day I gave my heart to Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit do not emphasize degrees of salvation. Nor, hear me, the gifts of the Spirit 
do not emphasize the power of the Holy Spirit. Just because a person has a certain gift doesn't mean he has the power of the Holy Spirit. Now there's a teaching abroad in church groups today that the only way you can understand the power of the Holy Spirit is to have a certain gift of the Spirit and if you have that gift that gift is the symbol of the power the scripture does not support that truth that teaching that's not true that's not what the scripture teaches we see the work of the Holy Spirit then we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> and then the empowering of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit goes back to the to the work of the Spirit the empowering of the Spirit is not related to the gifts of the Spirit the gifts of the Spirit simply enumerate or enumerated here as to the way God's Holy Spirit gives men gifts to do the work of God now you'll notice what these gifts are they're listed in 1 Corinthians 12 we've already mentioned them look at 1 Corinthians 12 the last part beginning with verse 28 God has set some in the churches church first apostles second prophets third teachers after that miracles then gifts of helps help of, heal, of healing helps governments diversities of tongues are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers are all workers of miracles have all the gifts of healing do all speak with tongues do all interpret but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show I unto you a more excellent way let me hasten to say this friend the Holy Spirit writing through Paul was writing to a church that was not a spiritual church let me repeat that the Corinthian church was not a spiritual church it was a carnal church if you want to understand the letters of first and second Corinthians the theme is in chapter 3 first Corinthians 3 Paul says I could not write unto you as unto spiritual but as unto babes in Christ ye are carnal that church was confused in chapter 1 they were confused over personalities and leaders in first Corinthians chapter uh, 2 and 3 we read that they were there was other confusion they were carnal they were still in their sins in chapter 5 there was immorality in the church in chapter 6 they were taking each other to law and courts instead of settling things between themselves in chapter 7 they were confused over marriage and sex in chapters 8 and 9 they were confused over sins of influence about meat offered to idols in chapter 11 they were confused over the Lord's Supper some of them were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper chapter 12 13 14 they were confused over speaking in tongues and the uh, healings and in chapter 15 they were confused over the resurrection some even said there is no resurrection of the dead that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead and so the, through the entire book Paul writes what he writes to correct the things that are wrong you just read it read it in the light of the entirety of its book of its volume and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you you'll see this wonderful truth some have lifted these gifts of the Spirit out of context and have built whole emphases and focus in the Christian movement today some have even said 
If you do not have... Dear beloved friend, that's not scriptural. That's not of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit remains free as the wind to give gifts severally according to His will, not our will. I've heard of people tarrying. Now we need to wait before God. There's nothing wrong with waiting for before God in prayer. There's nothing wrong with waiting before God for the power of the Holy Spirit. But the empowering of the Holy Spirit is not symbolized or localized or demonstrated or proven by some specific gift. For example, suppose singing were a gift of the Holy Spirit. Person could get up here and sing like Bob did this morning, or our choir. A person could go to the piano and play like Bonnie or Retha at the organ. Wouldn't that be a blessing? And you sit out there and say, Oh, they've got so much power. If I just had that kind of power, oh God, make me a pianist, make me a singer. Why, that isn't God's will. If God didn't give you that gift, you don't have it. Don't get upset. Don't get mad. Don't get jealous. Don't say, well, hmm, look the way they can do it. I'm jealous of that. Don't be like that. My friend, those are gifts from God. And he must remain free as the wind to give every man severally as he will. Find out what your gift is. We'll be speaking more on this in other services. But find out what the gift of the Spirit is to you. And then magnify that gift as you allow the Holy Spirit to operate through you. The last part of the message today, and my time is gone, is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The empowering of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, the empowering of the Holy Spirit is not related to the gifts of the Spirit. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is not related to the gifts of the Spirit. In chapter Acts, verse, chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is a direct work of God in our hearts as we permit Him to occupy us. You know the story of the preacher who had a wedding a millionaire got married. And when the wedding was over, sometimes it's customary for people to give gifts to the preacher. When the wedding was over, uh, the man handed, the, the man that got married, the best man for, on behalf of the groom handed to the preacher a little box. <clears throat> when he went home, he opened the box. It was a pair of gloves. Well, he thought, that's a strange gift for a millionaire to give me, a pair of gloves, leather gloves. It was in the summertime. I don't need that. He put it in his drawer. Months went by and cold weather came. And he was about to go out one cold, cold night. 
he was, got called late in the night to go to the hospital and he wanted some gloves and he remembered those gloves that had been given him and he reached in the drawer to get the gloves and he put his hand in them. And he couldn't get his hand in. He, the fingers wouldn't go in those little pockets, and those little fingers in the gloves. And he, he, there was something in there. He reached in one and he pulled out a $100 bill. And he reached in another $100 bill. And in all ten of those fingers, there was a $100 bill. There was $1,000 there. And all that money was there just lying in a drawer. It had been there all those months. The gift was there. The power was there. The money was there. But he didn't have it because he didn't need it. And he didn't use what he had. Now, beloved friend, you don't need to ask God for more power. You don't need to ask God for more of the Holy Spirit. What we need to do is surrender all there is of us, our music, our voice, our ears, our mind, our hands, our feet, to the Holy Spirit and let him begin to use us. And that's where the power comes. The power comes as the Holy Spirit in this world has operative opportunity through men and women and boys and girls and teenagers and university students and children as we who have received Christ as Savior yield all there is of us to him. You want God's power? Yield yourself. Now it all begins at the cross. You can't have God's power without the cross. Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us. They nailed those nails in his hands. The crown of thorns was put on his brow. The blood of God streamed down the old rugged cross. And while Jesus was dying on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in that moment, God the Father and God the Son made an eternal agreement that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. And when we receive Jesus, we invite him to come in. He comes in and forgives us and cleanses us and saves us. And we're his and he's ours. And then inside of us, that precious spirit of Jesus begins to take over all the areas of our life. Have you received him? Do you know him? If you do, are you serving him? Have you yielded your all on the altar? Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we thank Thee for this rich passage of Scripture. We thank You for all the truths in it. And in subsequent times as we study it, we'll be going deeper. But Spirit of Jesus, show us this morning the convicting work of God. May someone who has never been saved come to Jesus. May somebody who is already saved enter a new walk with the Lord. Say, Lord, I want you to have all there is of me. That precious Holy Spirit, I want him to occupy every room of my life. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. Will you stand, please? All across this auditorium and in the invisible audience of radio this morning, there are people who need the Lord Jesus. And I want to appeal to you to let Jesus come into your heart and fill you with himself. He loves you today, friend. Whoever you are, no matter what your past is, the Holy Spirit of God 
is bringing conviction to your heart. He is the one who caused you to be in tune with this service this morning, the Holy Spirit. He caused you to come. He caused you to turn the radio dial to this place. The Holy Spirit of God is the one who is interested in you. He loves you. And right now, as we, as the service closes in a moment, I want to ask you if you'll let Jesus come into your heart. Whoever you are, wherever you are, let Christ come in. You say, how do you do that? The Bible says, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus. Repentance means a willingness to make room in your heart for Jesus. Are you willing to do that? Faith means putting your trust in what Jesus did on the cross as enough to cover your sins, that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses you, and then believing that He is a risen Savior, He's a living Savior. He arose from the dead and invite that living Savior to come and live inside of you. You see, to be saved doesn't mean you believe something, some kind of dogma Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but you invite the living Savior, who is the Holy Spirit, to come and live in you. Will you do that this morning? While we begin to sing, who will come first? Standing for the King, will you come right now?